The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good day, and welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world-famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Welcome to PR Insider. I'm your host, as the man said, and um, I have a very special guest today. He's an author, speaker, and veteran PR whiz, and he's helped businesses, nonprofits, and community groups get their message out to the public, um, and it's strategic marketing based in environmental principles. His name is Shell Horowitz, and he's a renowned public speaker and um, media interview. Uh, he's been in Christian Science Monitor, Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, and he's the author of eight books on low-cost, high-impact marketing, and five of them have won awards. And um, there's the most recent book is Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, Winning Strategies to Improve Your Profits and Your Planet. Del, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Maureen. You are welcome. So um, tell us first about uh, this book, and then we'll get into how you got started in PR and what you're talking about with the book. Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green is far and away the most exciting of the eight books I've written because I think it's the one that has the potential to really change the world. It really has two focuses. One is showing businesses that going green itself can be economical and even profitable. And then the other is talking about how to put that in a marketing and PR context, how to get all the mileage you can out of those commitments you're making to improve the world, how to reach the green consumer with that message. And I really do think that if every business owner read this book, we would be able to cut our carbon as a society enormously. We would be able to move to alternative fuels. But even more than that, we would be really forming a consensus in society. We as PR people would be helping to make this happen, that green is desirable and possible. I think a lot of people are scared off about the idea of going green because they think it's going to cost too much or be too much trouble. So anything that we as PR professionals can do to remove that rather myopic notion is a good thing. Right. I mean, and I think people are, are, are buying and purchasing based on brand loyalty, which they associate with green principles. Oh, absolutely. I could name many brands that have done very well by going after the green market. But you're saying that a lot of companies are still very afraid to move forward in this yeah, it's, and that timidity is going to have them left behind, actually. I think within the next three to five years, if you do not have a demonstrably green presence, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so <laughs> get it now while it's still considered a marketing advantage rather than necessity. Well, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, next to lawyers, publicists have sort of had this negative cast thrown over us, and I think it's, it's a relief to hear you say, you know, and marketing, you think you can actually do something positive and change the world. Yeah, we don't all have to be spin doctors all the time. <laughs> in fact, in my own practice, I started, oh, maybe 10 years ago, refusing work that I felt was not a good fit for my values or if I didn't like the quality of the client. And that was actually one of the smartest things I ever did. 
Right. It, it really freed me up to go after the work I did want. Right. And then your word to the people who matter, the journalists, the producers, that are valuable because they know that you're not just throwing any story out at them. Right, right. That you have standards, and therefore you can act as kind of a gatekeeper for making sure that the people who you bring to their attention are people worthy of it. So what, do you th what kind of companies do you think are most reticent to change their business practices? Hmm. Give me a moment to think about that. Well, I think the ones that are very capital intensive, if you've got a large manufacturing facility and there's a lot of retooling involved, that's going to be rather different than a service business where it's simple, easy lifestyle changes that don't really change the quality of your life. And yet, some companies in that sector have made huge strides. And yes, there is a big capital cost involved. And uh, just recently, actually, the Rocky Mountain Institute, which is Amory Levins's think tank, did a deep energy retrofit on, of all things, the Empire State Building. This was not chump change. This was a $20 million project. But it's going to save them $4.5 million a year in energy costs, wow. which means that that entire $20 million is made up in the first five years. And after that, it's in the next five years, they save another $20 million, and that's assuming energy prices don't go up. So it's really an enormous amount of money that they're saving, but it did take, in that case, quite a bit of capital to make it happen. So Whereas oh, in, in my own business, as a one-person service business working out of my home, one of the things that I did was I bought a duplexing laser printer, you know, a little thing. It cost me $250, and it paid for itself in saved paper in about five cases because I buy recycled paper, which is about $50 a case. So even, uh, you know, someone as small as I am can do things that make a difference both in the world and in the, how much carbon is going into things and how many trees have to be cut, but also in my wallet. Right. So that was three years ago, so I have now probably paid for in paper savings that printer four or five times. Right. Can you, do you have any examples of, of well-known companies that, that thrive by being green that you well, one company that I love to talk about is Marcal. They make napkins, paper towels, tissues. What's the uh, name of the company? M-A-R-C-A-L. Uh -huh. Oh, yes. Marcal. Uh, what's really interesting with them is that they were a real pioneer in going green. Mm -hmm. um, they switched to having all their raw material be recycled paper. Would you like to guess the year? I'm going to guess really low because you're asking me. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't know, 1972. Uh, would you believe 1950? Oh, wow. No, that's amazing. Yeah. But what's really astonishing is that I could understand where in 1950 that might have not have been a, a good point from the marketing point of view, and they didn't tell anybody. But they continued not to tell anybody throughout the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s. It was only in the mid-2000s that they finally realized they were sitting on an incredible asset. Here we've been recycling papers since 1950 and all these Johnny-come-latelys, and not only that, we're doing it at a price point that's competitive with the generic supermarket brands. Right. Oh, my goodness, how much Markel paper I would have bought starting in about 1972 when I started paying attention to these issues. Right. Had I only known. The company actually went bankrupt in the mid-2000s, and then they came back with a new management team and a rebranding effort that really focused on the idea of going green, saving trees, uh, having been a pioneer in recycling. And what happened, they became, within eight months of launching this rebranding, the category leader. All of a sudden, they were selling more of this stuff than anybody else just because they finally told the world, hey, we've been using recycled paper before it was hip and right, cool. Right, and that's an example 
where PR can save your business. Yeah. And it's yeah. one of those things where if you had a PR team working on it, how do you put a price on that? You know, the, the, one of the big problems in, in ROI for companies, like spend X number of dollars on PR, how do I measure my results? Well, <laughs> there's an example of, okay, we don't have exactly quantitative, but basically your company was about to fail and, 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 and only and told your story. You the were, image saved it, yeah. Uh, but the image was based in reality. And what's interesting, uh, I actually contacted Markel because I was giving a talk and I wanted to use some art from their company, such as like their 1965, their, 19, their 2000 packaging, showing the evolution over time. So I got them to send me some art, and then they said, can we have a copy of the slides? And I sent them one. And you know, a month or two after I sent those slides, they did another repackaging, which all of a sudden started sounding kind of like the slides I had sent them. Because <laughs> like, I talked about how if you've been doing environmentally hip things before they were hip, you should trumpet that. And all of a sudden, saving trees since 1950 got very big on their label. So I'd like to think that they were paying attention to the material I sent them. I hope you got a check for that one. <laughs> I didn't, but I'm getting a lot of mileage out of it in conversations like this. <laughs> Do you think so? So, you know, in the 50s, it was, it was good times, and, it, and probably if we just rethought our, our way of thinking and our strategies, we could have all been green. But what about in... A crisis like we're in now with a recession. If you go into a company and let's say they they're just trying to stay afloat, and then some they you know someone suggests, oh, you should get this book, Guerrilla uh, Marketing Goes Green, and change your whole business structure. That I can't deal with that right now. I'm having a hard time. How, how do you? Is this well, a viable thing in a recession? Yes, it absolutely is. And of course, if you can't afford the twenty-one dollars and ninety-five cents for the book, which by the way, if you register, the purchase comes with about two thousand dollars worth of extra goodies. So that's really a no-brainer. But even if that's too hard, get it out of the library and then use that information in there to go first for the low-hanging fruit. Go for the things that will put money directly into your pocket and also give you some green credibility. And once you've done all that stuff, only then should you look at the stuff where it's actually going to cost you more money than you're taking back in. So I, I think it's, there are two reasons to do it in a down economy. Number one is, of course, that you then get to save money, <laughs> which is important. And number two is that when you are looking to get people to buy from you and it's a market where dollars are tight and people need reasons to differentiate you from the other people, that's a reason. Given the choice, people will buy all other things being equal, comparable price, comparable quality, people will buy the one that's good for the world. Yes, and that's been, that's been shown. Um, so just tell us now, because we're going to go to a break in a minute, but just where can people find the book? And what Guerrilla are the Marketing comes? Goes Green, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A, GuerrillaMarketingGoesGreen.com, and that's the place where no matter where you buy it, whether your local bookstore or an online bookseller or from me, and if you get it from me, of course, you can get it autographed. Um, that, that's where you would register for the bonuses. You would just click on the link that says bonuses and register where you purchased it, and then you get access and to what, it. And what are the bonuses? Oh, it's a very, very long list. I'll get it up on the screen when we're in break. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a break in a minute. We've been talking with our guest, Shell Horowitz, and he's author of Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green. And we'll be back with more questions and also the – Incredible, funny, and fun story about how Shell got started in the Right back after a word from our sponsor. We're 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. What is whole person healing via body, via mind, and via spirit? It's a dedication to the widest selection of healing practices worldwide whenever possible. Hosted by Professor Rustam Roy, a noted material scientist and the founder of Friends of Health, who will be here each weekend with the most in-depth information about whole person healing from the world's leading practitioners, spokespersons, and major supporters for this viewpoint. Tune in every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Oh, welcome back again. We've been talking with Shell Horowitz, and um, I feel like I'm not, I don't do enough for the world when I talk to someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's the author of Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, and you can find that at GuerrillaMarketingGoesGreen.com, and it's basically winning strategies to improve your profits and your planet. And, um, you know, on the break, we were talking about um, uh, this uh, show that I also host called OnPaperSeries.com, and it's a, it's a environmental podcast, and we get to interview Starbucks and Intel and IBM and McDonald's on their environmental outreach and how the, the world thinking is changing and that CEOs now realize that in order to stay profitable, they do need to green their company and green their media outreach. Yeah, maybe in a year or so you'll be able to have someone from the brand new International Association of Earth Conscious Marketers, which I'm launching. Oh. It's going to be a, a trade organization for green PR and marketing people wow. around the world. So you asked me before the break about some of the bonuses, and I do yeah. have that web page up, okay. and I'll just give you a couple highlights. Go ahead. Seven Steps to Self-Publishing Success by Susan Daffrin. Uh, Paul and Sarah Edwards, who I'm sure many of your readers know, uh, the small business columnists for years and years and years, talking about uh, lessons from the natural world and how to respond to the current economic crisis. Oh, um, 
how to eliminate the stress of procrastination from your life, Stop Chasing Business from Joe Nunziata, who's a very well-known marketing guy, uh, my book on having fun cheaply, Go Green, What's in It for Me, Business Edition, 303 Ways to Save the Planet, Live a Healthier, Wealthier, Happier Life, on and on and on it goes. So let me ask you this question. Well, thank you. That's, that's wonderful, and it's incredible that you can give all that away. Why do you call it guerrilla marketing? Because this is part of the guerrilla marketing series that J. Conrad Levinson first formulated back in 1984. And one of the things that I did, I had self-published a book in 2003 that talks about many of the same issues called Principal Profit Marketing That Puts People First. And all along when I self-published that book, my idea was that at some point down the road, I would be shopping it to New York City publishers and having it find a bigger audience. And a friend of mine actually asked me if I'd like the name of his editor at Wiley. And I said, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I pitched the book to Wiley. And while Wiley was thinking it over, I thought, hmm, if Wiley says no, I should ask Jay Levinson if he'd like to partner with me on this. Because he's a a very, very well-known brand in marketing. Everybody knows the guerrilla marketing books. Mm -hmm. And I thought with him on board, we could easily find a publisher. We could get a bigger advance. uh, And I would, of course, have access to his large marketing machine at the book launch. And then kind of hit myself on the head and said, hey, you, wake up. You could invite Jay even if Wiley says yes, which, in fact, they did. Mm -hmm. Now, This was kind of interesting because I I talk a lot in the book about partnerships and the number of partnerships involved in putting Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green together were were quite a number of them, Uh, all those bonuses being a hint of that. Um, So I I wrote to Jay. I had an email address from 1995 because I had interviewed him on a story I was writing. I don't even remember who I was writing it for. And astoundingly enough, this AOL address from 1995 is still current. (laughs) So I told him about the book, and first I asked Wiley, uh, how do you feel if I bring him in? And it's like, wow, you mean we get two marketing superstars? Sure, we like that. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so, And interestingly enough, uh, Jay and I split the um, advance, but the advance that they gave us was just about exactly twice what they normally pay for a book like this. Because oh. I know a lot of people who've worked with them, and uh-huh. I know what they got and I know what I got. Mm-hmm. So my, uh, you know, 15,000 times 2 divided by 2 is 15,000. Right, nice. So there was no loss to me in bringing Jay on board. Mm-hmm. And it made it a much bigger book in Wiley's eyes. Right. And it made it a much bigger book in the eyes of the world. It had instant credibility with the other 60 books in the series. Yep. Being, you know, lots and lots of fans, and it's been translated to uh, various... I was at Jay's house in January, and he has got a whole shelf of his books in other languages. I only have three of my own shelf, but I'll have two more because we've sold rights to Turkey and Italy on this book. Wow. Amazing. And, and so um, tell us about, uh, let's talk about a little bit about how you got started in the industry. We can come back to the book, but I want to hear about you know, how you got started doing PR. And okay. Well, back in the early 70s when I was a high school student and the mid-70s when I was a college student, I was very, very active in a lot of grassroots community groups. The war in Vietnam was still raging. We were beginning to come to terms with the environmental issues around us as a society. We were just beginning to think about those things. And I got involved and got involved heavily. And because I was training in college to be a journalist, I often ended up being the person who was the media contact. Mm -hmm. 
So then, of course, I had to write press releases, and then from there it just kind of grew, and I discovered this whole world of marketing, this whole science of persuasion, how you get people to take an action, whether it's signing a petition or buying something or giving money to a cause or whatever it is. And I was just fascinated. And what's, what's nice about this new book and the work that I've been doing the last 10 years or so is I've really found that I can synthesize, I can rebraid these two separated strands of my life, the activist and the marketer. Mm-hmm. And I, I do see a lot of integration there. In fact, 10 years ago, I started a community group that used everything I knew about both marketing and community organizing at that time and uh, learned a lot on that campaign too. And we ended up organizing this massive movement. In my town has 5,000 people. The county has about 150,000 people. And we organized a movement that literally had thousands of people involved, at least on the level of signing a petition or putting up a lawn sign or bumper sticker. Wow. And how did you, you know, parlay that to getting into the business of having clients, et cetera? Okay. Well, having done the grassroots community political groups for several years, I graduated college and had to earn a livelihood, and I started a business. And the business I started was originally a typing service. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, $6 an hour, and I would type people's term papers for them. And (laughs) uh, We're talking 1981, 82, 83, Mm -hmm. on a typewriter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Remember those? Yes, I do. I was an English major and had a had a, you know, not even an electric, had one where you, you got your fingers hurt. You know? Yeah, well, when I started the business, I did go and splurge for an electric typewriter. It was an absolute necessity. I found a used IBM Selectric non-correcting typewriter for $176 at a school auction, and I was in business. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, But what was interesting is that my total startup was $200. So we had the 176 for the typewriter, $12 for office supplies, and 12 for marketing. Now, in order with to that $12. do that, $12. I'm sorry? What did you do with $12 for a marketing budget? Don't give uh, any companies any ideas, will you? Posters on bulletin boards at that time. <laughs> you what? Posters on bulletin boards. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, with a $12 marketing budget, obviously, I had to be creative. Mm-hmm. So somewhere, I guess, 1984 people started telling me, you know, you know so much about marketing a business without any money, you should write a book. So like, oh, maybe I will. Okay, I decided that I would wait until I got my first computer because I knew I was getting one. So I got my original 128K Macintosh in April 84, mm-hmm. and I started writing the book. And in, uh, back then the word processor that came with the Mac could only deal with about an eight-page file, so this was an interesting exercise. And I self-published that book. And at that time, my business was already shifting away from typing and into writing, mm-hmm. first for individuals and then later for businesses and nonprofits again, as I had done for free in the early days. And over time, because I had written this book and because that became the first of six books on marketing and eight books altogether, I began to get a reputation. And then, of course, 1994, I went online and the world changed amazingly for me at that point. Well, let's talk about online stuff because I think one of the great ways that companies can do stuff uh, cheaper, but they still need a publicist to manage it all and to oversee the overall messaging and the outreach, the traditional outreach. But what are some ways that you recommend new uh, media and, and how, how people can utilize that? Well, the big three, of course, are Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and you want to be on all three. Mm-hmm. 
And the important thing to remember with social media, and mind you, I have been doing social media successfully since 1995, and since 1996 it has brought me more clients than anything else. We didn't have Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn back then. But we did have other tools that had the same general concept, although a different implementation, such as Yahoo Groups discussion lists. And the trick with social media is that it's, it's not driving messages to an audience. It's conversation. Mm -hmm. If you try to do hard sell, you will get flamed, you will get reported as a spammer, you will get ignored, you will get unfollowed, and you will think, ah, social media doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you engage people in conversations, share resources, um, help other people spread their radiance around by, for example, retweeting on Twitter, uh, then that's a very different kind of approach. And people start seeking you out and saying, you know, I, I keep hearing good things about the work you do. Can you mm -hmm. tell me more? And with the old Yahoo Group stuff, what I found is that by being the helpful expert, I would woo a few clients to, say, write a press release or write a book cover. And then when they came back to me with, like, wow, I can't believe what a great job you did. I didn't know I could sound so good. I'm going to rush out and buy my own book now. Um, then I would say, would you mind telling the list? So I really harnessed the, the viral marketing uh -huh. very, very early. Because what happened then is that after a few years of this, somebody would be thinking about getting a press release or a book cover or whatever, and they'd think, boy, you know, for five years I've heard how great Shell is. Maybe I'll give them a call. Maybe yeah. I'll drop them an email. Yeah. So the wonderful thing, of course, is when you set up marketing systems that the clients are coming to you, if you don't screw it up, you've got the sale. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier than forcing yourself on people saying, buy from me, buy from me. Right. Nobody wants to deal with people like that. And one common thing that, that keeps coming up in, in my show is message of authenticity, you know, the, the theme of authenticity. People get it when you're trying to sell. It goes back to, you know, no hard sell. Oh, yeah. And even I've been accused of stepping over the line a few times. <laughs> you? Um, a marketing guy? <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. No, but, um, yeah, so, you know, the message of authenticity is, you know, it, it's, it's much more of a, a better, and it's a better sell if the message comes from someone who really means it. So if you're, if you're helping a client do some of these things, let's say they're not, they don't want to be on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, but for them, message has to be very authentic coming from that company or that yes, product. Yes, it has to be something that they would totally own if, as if they had written it. Right. Uh, that's one piece of it. And it, it has to be, again, it has to be the right tone and the right audience. And, of course, within social media there are many, many slices of audience. One of the things I love about it is it is so targeted. If you need a, a list of, of left-handed wine aficionados from California, you could probably find them. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so so specific, but then it's also that's exactly what you're going to get. The companies get the instant feedback on their products and services. Yeah, and you know, I, I started writing about social media in 1991 when I really hadn't experienced it in a meaningful way. When it wasn't called social media. No, um, I, I have a, a small section on internet marketing in a book that I wrote in 91. All right, well, we're going to talk about that when we get back from a break. I'm getting the music from Mr. Justin Jackman. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. 
We can help. Call us now toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between... Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back again. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we've been speaking with Shell Horowitz. He's the author of Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, Winning Strategies to Improve Your Profits and Planet. Get that at GorillaMarketingGoesGreen.com. Welcome back again, Shell. Thank you. So um, we were talking about in 1991. Um, uh, yeah, I was writing a book called Marketing Without Megabucks, which came out in 1993 with Simon and & Schuster. Um, and I was writing about, we didn't have the term social media, but I actually have a section in that book, a small one, on marketing online through essentially primitive forms of social media that existed back then. And pretty much everything I wrote all the way back then still applies about how you position yourself and how you don't do hard sell and how you really engage in helping people. And as you help others, help comes to you. And then 
um, I didn't even really know back then about this whole viral component where, where you do a good job for somebody in the discussion list and then they tell everybody on the list. What happened to me from that, interestingly enough, is that after a while, people who had never used my services started recommending me, and some of those were industry gurus. Because they had read your... Because, yeah, for years they had been seeing people rave about what an amazing job I had done for them on their press releases or whatever marketing materials they needed. And that, that's just, it's, a, it's a, you know, uh, we have a, a woman that I interviewed, Andrea Siddig-Rolf, and she talks about the ambassador method. Basically, it's somebody being your ambassador for you. Yeah, exactly. And I talk in Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, I talk in some detail, actually, about how to make that happen and how to um, be strategic with it. Mm-hmm. You want to give us some ideas now, or are you holding that for the you've got to buy the book? Well, I think I just gave some. I, I think, um, you know, talking about getting the attract, the attracting the attention of people who have large amounts of influence, mm-hmm. getting them to pay attention to you and to notice you, that's certainly a big piece of expanding your visibility online or off. So, and, you know, um, I, I'm starting this new trade association for green marketers, and one of the things I did was I sent a quick note to my co-author who, as I said, you know, he's a, a superstar in the marketing world. And I said, can you say something about why you think this is a, um, important? And actually, um, he was happy to do that. And in fact, he also sent me a, a note that I'm going to use as I try to parlay my own platform bigger. I, my secret fantasy has always been to be a syndicated columnist. So I now have an endorsement from J. Conrad Levinson about why I would make a great syndicated columnist and has the perspective of being able to talk about how I, as a co-author with him, was very professional in the work I did with him. Now, that is something you can't buy. Right. And what is the name of this new trade association? It's the International Association of Earth Conscious Marketers. There is a just nothing more than a name collection website up right now at earthconsciousmarketers.com. Writing this down, earthconsciousmarketers.com, okay, and um, they have to take some kind of pledge, or what is No, the pledge is separate. Um, What is the business ethics pledge? The business ethics pledge is something I started back in 2004 as a 10-year campaign to make the kind of crooked business stuff we saw with Enron and Bertie Madoff and all the rest of it socially unacceptable. So my idea was to create a tipping point, to have 25,000 business leaders sign a pledge over 10 years, and to see if that was enough, basically throw something at the wall and see what happens, uh, see if that was enough to really change society. Well, what's interesting is that I am far, far, far from that 25,000 signatures, but I see the world changing, even in the much smaller number of signatures that we've had. How much of this is my doing, I couldn't say, but I like to think I have at least something to do with the increasing perception that business needs to be honest and authentic. And what, what kinds of things are on? What kinds of things are they pledged to do? Oh, it's a very, very simple statement. I'll uh, get it up here for you and read it to you. And, you have, and how are you reaching out to these people? How do you... It's been all online, and I've been basically asking people who signed the pledge to spread it. And I, I have not had a lot of enormous energy for it in the last couple of years, but I'm letting it go on its own momentum. And again, I, I do think it's having an impact beyond its numbers. So here it goes. I pledge allegiance in my heart and soul to the concepts of honesty, integrity, and quality in business. 
I recognize that the cornerstone of success is treating all stakeholders fairly, with compassion, and with a commitment to service. Working from abundance, I recognize that even my competitors can become important allies. I will not tolerate crooked practices in my business, from coworkers, direct or indirect reports, supervisors, managers, suppliers, or anyone else, and if I encounter such practices, I will refuse to go along with them and report them to appropriate authorities within and outside the company. I pledge to support the triple bottom line of environmental, social, and financial responsibility, and I pledge to participate in a serious effort to focus the business community on these principles by sharing this message with at least 100 other business leaders. Now, note, I don't say that they have to recruit people to sign. I just say that they have to make 100 people aware. Now, if you've got a newsletter, you know, if you do any advertising, if you've got a website, that's an easy pledge to keep. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet by, by having that in there, I put it on them. I say, this is your doing. It's not just me. Mm -hmm. Now, and you mentioned in there that, that businesses should, it's good for businesses to seek alliances with their competitors. Why do you feel that? Because you end up, to quote George W. Bush, make the pie higher. Um, you, I'll give you an example that's in the book. There is a display ad that 11 local florists joined together to do, and it was a broadsheet newspaper, you know, big New York Times-style page, and this was a quarter page. So it was a big ad, and probably a fairly expensive ad. And it said, you wouldn't buy your groceries from a florist. Why buy your flowers from a grocer? And basically listed a few competitive identity points about why working with a specialist made sense. And then it listed all 11 shops, their hours, their contact information, their locations. Um, you know, it, it was a great example of joining forces to create something that was bigger than the whole. Not one of these 11 shops could afford a quarter-page ad in the local paper on their own. And guess when they ran it? Right before Mother's Day. Mm. So I think that was an example of perfect perfect example of joining forces with your competitors. Oh. But you see it all the time. Uh, can you think of two companies more competitive than, say, IBM and Apple? No. Well, IBM and Apple joined with Motorola in the 1990s to develop a chip architecture called the PowerPC. I had a Mac that ran on that chip, in fact. Um, and, you know, here we are, these two colossuses of computing who for many years had had adversarial operating systems and adversarial hardware joining forces. And what the nice thing about that is those were, kind of, I think, the first computers where it was really pretty easy to port files back and forth. So when somebody sends me a PC file that they've created in Microsoft Word, I can simply open it in my copy of Word on my Mac mm -hmm. and be good to go. That was not true in the 1980s, let me tell you. Yeah, remember <laughs> that. You know, I had to sometimes get people to send me files as text <laughs> with all the formatting gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that wasn't fun. So that's one example. FedEx and the U.S. Postal Service. Again, fierce competitors. Did you ever wonder how it is that the Postal Service is able to do a one-day guarantee? Everybody knows how FedEx can do it. They have logistics down to uh, microscience. But you know, if you think about it, the Post Office has this you know, reputation for being somewhat slovenly in its mail handling. How are they able to guarantee next-day delivery? You want to take a guess? FedEx. FedEx. FedEx moves express mail airport to airport. Hmm. So you know, one of your bold arguments is that companies shouldn't worry about market share because market share doesn't matter. But how can you say that? How shouldn't businesses be focused on? Well, you can become a major player and still not worry about market share. I mean, I intend to be a major player. 
But, you know, let's face it, okay, I'm a copywriter, a marketing consultant, let's, and I'm a one-person business. If I were to take .00001% of the market out there, I would be working 20-hour days and never taking vacation and totally stressed out and, and just too busy, <laughs> you know? So um, I've chosen to look for a much narrower slices, such as I work with the would-be authors who have not yet published, or I work with uh, small publishing houses that have between one and 20 books, or I work with people who want to go after the green market and uh, get smart about how to reach green consumers with messages that will be heard and responded to. So I don't go after, for example, <laughs> you know, cigarette manufacturers. I wouldn't want them as a client. I wouldn't feel good about working with them. Right. I think that's... Somebody has to work with them, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be you. Right. So I'll work with the people who sing to my values. Right. And, and I think that's going to matter when you're, you know, like I said, when you're on the phone or emailing or texting or Twittering to your group, your people, your contacts, they're going to see your messages. Yeah. Valid. It's going to be more targeted to them. It's going to reach those people because that's who I'm aiming at. And they're going to respond because they see that this is what I'm specializing in. I mean, if you were going for some major medical procedure, let's say, uh, I don't know, an appendectomy, would you want to go to a surgeon or would you want to go to a GP? I'd want to go to a surgeon. Yeah, and you'd probably want to go to a surgeon who did appendices on a regular basis. Right. Yeah, and not uh, not your family doctor, who is great for dealing with your flu, but uh, doesn't do too much cutting. Yeah, so uh, I, as a marketer, am trying to attract the people where I have expertise and interest and enjoyment. And, you know, if General Motors doesn't come calling, I'm not worried about it. Um, when, we, when we come back from the break, well, I want to talk about some of your clients and some of your other books as well as... Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green. Some, you've written a lot of other books, and I want to talk about some of those. Um, when we come back, I will be back with my guest, Shell Horowitz. This is your host, Maureen Kettis. We'll be right back after a word. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, 
Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at vertexpr.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back again. During the break, I almost had a computer crash, but I'm here. I am alive and well, and I'm on the, on the air with uh, Shell Horowitz, and we're talking about his book, Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green, Winning Strategies to Improve Your Profits and Your Planet, and you can go to GorillaMarketingGoesGreen.com, and you have to know how to spell gorilla, and it's not the animal. G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A. <laughs> I think most... PR people, hopefully, are pretty decent at spelling or at least know when to look something up. <laughs> hopefully. So, um, I want to hear about your launch, how you're launching the campaign of your own book. So tell us about that. Okay, this is really interesting because I got to put into practice a lot of the stuff I write about in the book, like the social media, like the partnerships. We did a number of very creative partnerships with this book. Of course, Jay and I had the partnership that we discussed earlier so that I got the use of his brand and he got the credentials in the environmental movement. It was a a win-win for everybody. And we also partnered with all those people. You might remember earlier in the hour we went through some of the many, many bonuses that people get when they buy the book, or at least if they register their purchase on my website, GorillaMarketingGoesGreen.com. And those were partnerships. I went to bloggers and e-zine publishers and newsletter publishers, and I said, you're going to want to help me with this book, and this is how it will benefit you, one, two, three, four. And I laid this out. We also we did a charity partnership with a group called Green America, which services green entrepreneurs. It was absolutely the perfect 
match for us. So we gave them a small percentage of the first month's sales, and in return they put us on their website and in their newsletter. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was actually pretty much the only out-of-pocket cost in the campaign is I did have to send them a check for what they earned right. in that campaign. Right, right, right. And, you're, and you can usually trace these things now. Click-throughs, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's there's just... So much. I mean, it's 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 really kind of amazing how, and what we had, I have on my own four newsletter lists together about ten thousand people. Figure another, at most ten thousand from social media, including various discussion lists I'm on. And these are not, you know, let, let's clarify too. They're not just lists, random lists you built or bought. These are lists of people who want your information, yes. care the, the, about the first 10,000 are my subscribers, and the next 10,000 are people who either have friended me on one of the social media networks or participate in an online discussion group with me. Right. So they are interested. This is a very qualified, quote-unquote, buyer. Yeah. So then at most, okay, and then say a couple of thousand for the people that I had on my list as previous book buyers who had bought through me, so I knew about them. So we're talking about, let's say at most 25,000 people. Well, during the launch, during the first month, on week five, I did a Google search for Guerrilla Marketing Goes Green exact match. So those four words in that sequence. And for the first time, it was over a million hits. Now, what that means, if you figure very conservatively five people seeing each of these web pages, that means my launch reached five million people. Now, interestingly enough, that was the number I put in the book proposal. I said I would reach five million people with the launch. And I did not get participation from a lot of the people that I thought would participate in the launch. I got about, I don't know, 20% actually did this. So uh, theoretically, if I had upped that number, I could have reached many, many more millions of people. So you feel, you know, from your original 25,000, you made that into 5 million, but just based on... Partnerships. Uh, pardon? Just based on partnerships. Yeah. That's amazing because it's... It's, you know, it's like that old commercial, and so on, and so on, and so on, and they tell their friends, and so on, and so on. And so on. Yeah, and I, I don't think this book has really gone viral yet. I would love to see that 5 million turn into 500 million, you know, but um, that, that will take time, and I'm a patient person. And have you seen that translate into sales? Not to the extent I'd like. <laughs> but, um, uh, I certainly, I, I've gotten two rather conflicting sets of sales data, and I don't know which to believe. One of them seems abnormally high, and one of them seems abnormally low. Uh-huh. So I, I really don't know what the real story is. But I do know that the book is getting lots of reviews and endorsements, and people are talking it up, and it is reaching a certain number of people who are really, really delighted to discover it. Since you do a lot of books, how do you feel about, I know the launch is a, always a big deal, but do you feel that with viral marketing that the launch can go on after the release date oh, yeah. longer than it used to be able to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, here we're talking right now about a book that came out in January, and it's already August, and right, I'm and you're nowhere near done promoting this thing. Right, because um, I think in the old days it was sort of like you launch the book, if it's sold big on the first go-round, and if not, too bad for you. Well, I got major publicity for one of my books eight years after it was published and a few months after I took it out of print and made it an ebook. <laughs> wow. And that was uh, when Reader's Digest and um, the MSN homepage, I think it was, both picked it up 
a month after oh. it was out of print and um, and only is available as an ebook. And this was a 1995 book, and we're talking 2003. Right. So I have always had a longer term perspective. I never. One of the reasons that I've self published some of my books is that gives me much more flexibility with the marketplace. New York publishers want you to sell a lot of copies at the beginning, and then they, uh, if you have done so, then they throw more resources at you. So it's but also I, a good thing for people to know build. people who have maybe self-published or, you know, they, they, they launched the book a long time ago and they feel, oh, you know, it's still valid, but I blew it. I didn't do a good job. It's not you can go back and do it again. You right. know, there are places like Midwest Book Review that review books regardless of copyright date if the information is still current. Um, there are outside of the book pages. The book pages are very, very hard to crack these days. But there are gazillions of niche magazines. I mean, I remember when Marketing Without Megabucks, I actually bought the book back from Simon & Schuster two years after publication. And some years after that, I got a three-page spread in bottom line. Wow. You know, I mean, it, people would kill for that kind of publicity, right? right. Um, and this was at that point, I think, about a five-year-old book. And how are you? In, are you parlaying this into um, you being the expert on other shows besides things like mine? I mean, are you I'm doing as much as I can to do that. I've actually this summer I'm trying to launch a campaign to make myself a, a nationally known commentator. I want to be a pundit when I grow up. Be a talking head. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be the go-to person when people need something on green business success. I want them to come to me. Ah. Um, I, and I am working a plan that I hope within the next six months will make me a much more of a household name. Uh, so maybe instead of hearing Cokie Roberts on NPR, maybe you hear me sometime. Wow. Can you give us a little hint about what it is? What it is? Well, just I, I've always wanted to be a syndicated columnist, and I'm going to be looking for smaller market syndications that will pay some small amount of money to have my column or whatever. And uh, after I get a certain number of those, then I might go to bigger places, maybe even the four major syndicates, which it's been about five years since I tried to pitch myself to them. And, I, you know, I do this every once in a while. <laughs> and in the meantime, I I've have the support of a mastermind group, and they've really encouraged me to stop thinking about this as way in the future and make it happen now. I'm doing more radio, more speaking. I'm doing uh, more leveraging of the rather long list of credentials I do have. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Well, say the, na- say the website again uh, of the book. GorillaMarketingGoesGreen.com, G-U-E-R-R-I-L-L-A, two R's, two L's. Well, Shell, it's been a... It's been wonderful having you on the show, and listeners, don't forget to relate to your public, whoever they may be. This is your host, Maureen Kett, and we're going to have uh, Scott Dempster of Airhead Parts on next week. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Have a great week.